I feel that Bonehead is the only podcast with three white males that has the balls to bring up obscure actors and dedicate a whole episode to them. All right. Yeah. Welcome to Bonehead. Welcome to Bonehead. <laughs> but, so we did a whole episode on Dom DeLuise. Why did we do that? Because Dom DeLuise is an American Renaissance man and a classic, and the kids today are forgetting him. And that's wrong. Chad? What he said. I did it because I thought it was interesting. Well, yeah, that too. But also because of that. Mainly because of that. So our topic today is Dick Miller. Miller. Yes. <gasps> the and hottest I- club in Saskatchewan <laughs> where a fourth generation Miller hits you in a reed on your bottom when you walk in. What the? This club has everything. It has terminators. It has criminals. It has buckets of blood. This this club even has Roger Corman. I don't think Chad's getting the reference. It will spit on you and call you a jerkwad. I really am. I have no idea. For you people out there, big fans of Bill Hader and his rendition of. Stefan. Stefan from Saturday Night Live. That was the worst one ever. Yeah, I, was I, I, I know I can't I can't do it. But but <laughs> if you attend Dick Miller, uh, it, it's held in a fort, uh, an old mill. And and everyone that works there was a miller who lost at least one digit in milling work. Or maybe their dick. That or is Richard. A... What? What? I'm sure his real name is Richard. His real name is Richard. Sure he was it. born in the Bronx in 1928 on Christmas Day. Yeah. Bronx is located in the New York City. Is How there another Bronx? Be? I don't know. There's, 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 there should be. There's no, a couple of Versailles. There's yeah, a couple, couple Parises. Paris. There's. <laughs> What's the plural London? of Parises? London's is this? London's is There's only the one. It's in Kentucky. It swings like a pendulum, dude. So why did we pick Dick Miller other than he just turned nine? And it's still it's still doing film. It's still, still working. Doing, yeah, still, still working. working. Yeah, uh, if you're a geek like us and you're of a certain age. If you watch movies from the 70s, 80s, or, or early 90s. Through the 50s, but yeah, yes. I mean, I mean, but there's specifically, 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 specifically. It's an ocean. Yeah. You will look, and you'll probably remember him for either Gremlins, The Terminator, what else, Chad? Uh, the Burbs. The Burbs. Uh, if 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 you're these are Joe Dante, well, except for the Terminator, Joe Terminator. Dante films. Um, if you're if you're a fan of westerns, you're gonna know him from doing westerns in the fifties and sixties. Um, everything from Branded. What do you do when you're branded? But you know you're a man. <laughs> Um, he wrote the majority of Bonanza, the Virginian, which uh, took place in North Carolina. It's uh, very misleading. And oddly enough, he has one of the best trivia things ever. His first role was in a western called Apache Woman. Did you know this? Yes. Um, and do you know what's interesting about that? He killed himself. He killed himself. <laughs> they couldn't. They didn't have enough people to play uh, Indians at the time, Native Americans. Now, but. So, so he literally... Remember, Barton Fink, we, you can throw something and hit a rider. We always need Indians. <laughs> and they, uh, so he played the townsperson who is shooting an Indian, and then they He's filmed the him getting shot by that same person as an Indian. So he killed himself on film. 
That's amazing. Yes, you're absolutely right. Patchy woman. That was his first girl. Just like Divine had sex with herself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all these westerns, uh, but also cop shows, M-Squad, Dragnet, all of these things that... If police you, Squad. He's in an episode of Police, police Squad. squad. Hey, uh, he's, he's, also, played, he's also in, the, you know, we'll get into it, but Star Trek. What? Yeah. No he's one's in, in Star was, Trek. He was in The Untouchables. I mean, Gunsmoke. Wagon Train, all these things that were huge at the time, you he had to pop up at least once. He is what I, I, I and I, we need to come up with a term. We need to coin a term on Bonehead for what this is, but a character actor that becomes his own brand. I, uh, and literally, he has a character name that he reuses in multiple. Walter Paisley, which is his first starring role, which would be a bucket of blood, and you should go out and check that out. I have a copy of it on the table there in front of me. He played Walter Paisley at least. They, he lost track, but most people think it's right around eight times Yeah, yeah. that the character's name was Walter Paisley. Several of those are Joe Dante, because Joe Dante is a huge nerd. With his own podcast, by the way, it's on, from Trailers from Hell. You check that out. Which, by the way, another thing we should mention is Dick Miller has been in 181 movies and TV shows. Uh, he has played which, 181 roles. Which actually leads to the other point. The reason, even if, if you uh, are, are not as geeky as we are, you need to know Dick Miller just so you can win every game of Six Degrees of Separation. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because he's he worked with William Shatner, Big Bad Mama. Right. <laughs> he worked with um, Sid Haig. Big Bad Mama. Um, <laughs> oh my God, everything goes back to Big Bad Mama. Big um, Bad Mama 2. He's he in Death Race 2000 with <gasps> David Carradine. Never heard of it. I mean, my, I mean, for, for God's sakes, he worked with Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah. That's right. In the Babes. Babes. In the Babes. Um, him and Robert Picardo. Robert Picardo was also in a Star Trek episode, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> you yeah, a also, series, maybe? <laughs> no, just an episode. He also, Actually, he's also in episodes of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I know. Uh, but anyway. Um, we could do a whole show geez. on Robert Picardo, Which, who is also in all those Joe Dante films. We will be doing an episode of Robert Picardo. I might as well come my, up with my wife screamed at a Star Trek convention that she took me to, <gasps> Coach Cutler! And he literally goes, what? <laughs> From the Wonder Years, right? Wonder Years. Um, but my wife didn't realize that that was Coach Cutler to uh, he, But Dick Miller's also in Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones. Which is also directed by uh, and Alan Arkish. But, I mean, when you're thinking about all of this stuff, he's in episodes of Alice. He's uh, he's in The Happy Hooker Goes to Hollywood. Did you know that? I don't want a depressing hooker. I pay them to be happy. Um, he's in Knott's Landing. I mean, Twilight's on the movie. <laughs> What I'm saying is, not landing. I know. I just he's in the Happy Hooker. Oh, hey Jesus, he's in Not Landing. Like that was the penultimate of his career. We're we're leaving off. There's, there's, there's going to be Dynasty. That's for losers. Not Landing. That's for winners. There's going to be three people upset if we don't also, as we list off his major roles, mention three people are going to be upset. Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, He's also in V, the final. Yeah, he was in the final battle and a chopping mall. I know those all have fans. He also plays Walter Paisley in Chopping Mall. He's a security guard, right? Mm. Yep. I saw that as Oh, he's child. also in Fame, which actually gives him musical credit. He's a musical credit. You know, performer. he's going to live forever. He's going to learn how to fly. So. No one's singing? Um, People like it when we sing. Oh, and Chad, we can't. For Chad and I, he's in a ton of comic book stuff. He oh, was yeah. in The Flash with John Wesley Ship. Right. He the was, Flash of my generation. Um. Batman the Animated Series, and he played Oberon in Justice League Unlimited. 
Yeah. What the hell Lois is Oberon? It? Oberon is basically the mentor of Mr. Miracle. You're welcome. He's also in Lois. Of the Jeremy variety? <laughs> no. He's also in Lois and Clark as Mike Lane. Lane. Yeah. Lois Lane's father. Or grandfather. I'm pretty sure it's father. Uh, he, he's in Weird Science, the TV series. I mean, all this stuff that he just did. Um, he just did that. He did. He did. He keeps going. He's he's going. Matter of fact, and and I know we were going to talk about this, but we were looking at the posters for it. He has a movie coming out this year, where he plays Rabbi Walter Paisley, a little horror film called Hanukkah. Hanukkah with Sid Haig. <laughs> so, where do you want to start? So he went. He he served his country. He got out. Did the GI Bill. Right. Yeah. He uh, studied psychology, from what I can remember. Correct. And then he true. went out to the West Coast to become an actor. And that's where he hooked up with a little guy named uh, something. I think it's Cooper, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> no, Roger Corman. Corman. And Roger Corman and he did a lot of movies together. Right. And he wanted to be a writer. Wasn't uh, Corman's, it was called American International at the time? He worked for American International. He did not want American International. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, but Which American International is? AIP. I know, but for our listeners. There's the ones that gave you all those wonderful movies like, uh, hmm, Death Right now it's House of, all the Edgar Allan Poe films all came from AIP. Fall of the House of Usher, The Raven with Boris Karloff and, and uh, uh, Jack um, Arkoff and um, what's the other one's name? The two? Oh my God, why can't I think of the two AIP people? I'm so sorry. Well, while Joe thinks of that. Um, Samuel Arkoff and Jack Damn it. Weird last name. Keep going. Well, anyway, Dick Miller is quoted as saying, because he worked with Roger Corbin and American International, uh, this is according to him, he would go to interview for acting jobs at other studios, and he would mention that he all the work that he did with American International, and they would respond by saying, I don't think we could use you. Do you think that kept him away? All the wonderful films he did with all those people? Like, for example, hmm... Trying to think of a really bad one he's in. You guys got one? What's it? Came, it came from outer space. No, it's not. It came from outer it's space. Not it came from outer oh, space. Oh, he's also in the classic film Amazon Women on the on moon. moon. It on conquered moon. the world. It conquered the world. Which, by the way, if you don't know, uh, it conquered the I world. Can't believe I got that screw with it came from outer space. Yeah, and this is a little bit of trivia mm -hmm. about his. Uh, I think that's his. That's his fourth movie. It conquered the world. You can see a clip of that at the beginning of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go through some of his films you want me to start out with one i want to talk about i'd like to talk about because i'm making an assumption we didn't talk about this before the show but you two have actually never seen buckets of blood i have actually never seen buckets his of starring blood. role no yeah. I've always, seen it? I, oddly enough this is true i saw the remake the tv remake i've never seen it neither have I. I i saw is he that in it one. no i don't think he's in no. it if he if he is i don't remember but I didn't see the original. But if I remember the plot as a TV movie went, he's basically an artist that kills. Yeah, James Nicholson and Samuel Arkoff. Why well, I couldn't remember that. Yeah, basically, he's a no-talent hack. And a lot of it... there. So before we had hipsters, we had these things... What, what were they called? In the Beatniks? 50s? We had these things called Beatniks. Yeah, look at uh, Walter... No, Walter G. Krebs... Walter G. Krabs. I was going to say, Mr. Krabs? And the no, one thing is that... Walter G., you know who that is. What? That's a, that's a, that's the actual name of the beatnik that um, Gilligan... What's Gilligan's name? Bob Denver? Bob Denver. 
Bob Denver played in the love. Uh, uh, the many loves of Dobie Gillis. Dobie Gray. <laughs> Dobie Gray. <laughs> Give me the beat, boys. Free myself. <laughs> or you lost in your rocky and roll. But yeah, I think it was Walter <laughs> Drift Dress. Away. His actual name that they never used. Dobie Gray said nothing like that. Uh, had no, he never actually used his name in the show, except one time he had to give his ID for a draft or something, and it was Walter G. Krebs. Walter. And the one thing is that beatniks and hipsters have in common? What? Really stupid hats. So, Walter is a busboy overly... Miller, Miller G. Krebs. Is Miller, I'm sorry. Uh, Miller G. Is a busboy overly impressed with the cool cats who hang out at the Yellow Door Coffee House. Now, once again... Wow, it's amazing that you were able to pull that just out of your brain. No, I'm reading it right off of the back of the DVD. Way to ruin the illusion for the ones who actually listen to the audio. I am so sorry. Uh, for you people listening to the audio, I'm reading literally right off the back of the DVD. Coffee house. Beatniks hung out at coffee houses. Who hangs out at coffee houses now? Hey. Feld's Green Riders. Table six, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he wonders how to become hip. When he accidentally kills his landlady's pet cat, Walter panics and covers it up, covers it with clay. His prayers are answered, and before he knows it, he's the cat's meow of the art world. His talent develops and surprise! He can sculpt humans the same way, too. Like so many artists, his real talent won't be discovered until he's dead. It's a really, it's, 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 it's basically saying a lot about the beatnik culture that was going on at the time. It's hilarious. It, it's a time capsule of what beatniks are and how much I look at people in skinny jeans who hang out at coffee houses today and think to myself, just how far we've came. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or come. Which one is it? James. Yeah. Either or. No, it's a how far we've came. I say we came. Have, we have come. We have came. We've came. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to make any inappropriate jokes. Yeah, I'm sitting here Too looking late. at my phone. <clears throat> um, so, it was Roger Corman. So, what I have read before is he went out and he thought he would be a writer, a playwright, and he, and he wor ended up working with Roger Corman in acting, and that's what led to acting. Mm -hmm. And acting was more profitable. He could get an act. And I, I made a line earlier to Chad and James, who, if you guys are Coen Brothers fans, if you're listening or watching, there's one of my favorite lines in, in Barton Fink is, writer, we're going to be a writer. Indians, we always need Indians. Right. One of the to, producers says to him. To that point, he did write three things that made it to film. Um, uh, he wrote a, a story that became the movie Four Road Out. Yeah. He wrote um, the story that became Which Way to the Front. Mm -hmm. And then he wrote, as a screenplay, the movie TNT Jackson. Now, the reason I bring that up is because acting being more profitable, this is true. Apache Woman, which was made in 1955, and he was a glorified extra, he was paid $300 for. For writing TNT Jackson in 1974, almost 20 years later, anybody want to guess what he got? How much he got paid? How much? Like a thousand dollars? No, five hundred. He, he. Twenty years later, he made two hundred dollars <coughs> more to write an entire screenplay. So, if you want to know what's wrong with America, we don't pay the writers. No, we don't, and we actually really don't pay that many actors anymore either. That's a whole other story altogether. So, I wanted to just mention Bucket of Blood. It is directed by who's that guy on the back? Charles B. Griffith. Who's the guy that's produced by? <laughs> Samuel Z. Arkoff. That's one of the producers who... Uh, Charles B. Griffith's actually the writer, by the way. Who, who produced and directed that, Chad? Uh, James H. Nicholson. 
That'd be Roger Corman. I'm just gonna keep there. <laughs> he also was in a little movie right around the same time, and Bucket of Blood was made. What was it called? Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop, Shop of Horrors. Horrors. Because, it was, it was, it was, as that trivia says on the back, yeah. they shot Bucket of Blood and they got done too quick. Quick. So Corbin went, well, we'll just make another movie while we've got this Over set. the weekend. So so if you're a big fan of Little Shop of Horrors, Bucket of Blood came first and they were like, well, well since we're done and we already got the set, let's film this weekend and make another picture. But we're not here to talk about Roger Corman. We'll do that eventually in another episode. Although I feel Roger Corman... Probably, no matter how much we talk about him, still doesn't get his due, but he's gotten more than some other folks, specifically Dick Miller, which is one reason why we're doing this whole minute. And and we will never do an episode on Coleman Francis, who deserves no recognition. <laughs> and with that obscure joke, we're going to roll right on. <laughs> what next movie obscure. would you like to talk about, James or Chad? Chad, you, you got one? No, go ahead. You don't want to spend an hour on Looney Tunes back in action or nothing? I mean, we could. <laughs> okay, um, go ahead. Do you have something? If you're not, I can go. <laughs> no, go ahead. If you've got one, go. Cause I'm well, gonna... he has one of my favorite roles in The Howling. Uh, not The Howling. Uh, in uh, Piranha. So Piranha was directed by Joe Dante. and He, and he Joe was Dante, in The Howling, by the way, as Yeah, he's Walter Paisley. Paisley. He's the one where they go in to buy the books. He's the one about werewolves. Yeah, Helps yeah. them out and is up on the ladder going back and forth. <clears throat> And Joe Dante got his start working for Corbin as well. Right. Joe Dante's a huge nerd. I mean that in the nicest possible way. As respect to him, Joe, anytime you want to come on this show, brother, you, we will fly out to you. Yes. Right? Yeah, in a heartbeat. We will find the money and get there. However... Cardo <coughs> are in most of Joe Dante's films. But uh, the one that I wanted to talk about first was Piranha. Spielberg said later that Piranha was the best Jaws ripoff that was made. Because there was a lot of them, right? right yeah. There was Great White. There was Tentacles. Uh, I could just go down a yeah, list, probably. And not including the European ones. Anyway, so <coughs> he plays a developer trying to uh, i can't remember the whole plot about him he's trying to raise money but there's a great scene where he's got this texas this not a very good texas accent he slings down the phone because he's mad and then goes right back to his brooklyn natural what dick miller sounds like accent and i love the fact because this whole movie you've been watching him thinking if you don't know who dick miller is yeah and then boom. so he's been acting a role acting a role anyway i just love that scene you guys um one movie I want to talk about, which it deserves um, it's a footnote in pop culture that he is in, is is a movie that once again, if you just hear the description, and I know Joe will know what it is, Chad will probably know what it is, but Dick Miller is in it. It has a footnote in pop culture history because of who else is in it. But let me just give you the description before I give you the title. A high school grad and a hooker in training try to track down. A stolen Corvette. I have no idea what this movie is. Oh my god. It stars the famous guy who got his hand cut off later. You're thinking Jamie Lannister, right? Not Jamie Lannister. It's Corvette Summer. Corvette Summer, for those that don't know, is... is, is, is There's been a ton of prequels and sequels to it. We're paying attention, by uh, the way. We're just looking up our notes as we go along. Yeah. If you, uh, if Corvette watching. Summer is, is a, was a huge hit... 
in 78, had prequels and sequels. Some really obscure people know the main actor in it went on to do this Star Wars movie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Actually, he'd already done Star Wars. I know, I know. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was a huge film. No, um, he would, Mark Hamill would have probably done that right around the same time as the Big Red one. Yeah, Corvette Summer was Mark Hamill's, I guess it came out shortly after Star Wars. Yeah, that and Big Red um, And Annie Potts plays the hooker in training. So if you're a big Designing Women Ghostbusters fan and love Annie Potts, check out Corvette and Hookers. The, and the Dangerous um, Mind TV show. Um, was she the teacher? She was Michelle Pfeiffer. But, you went uh, from Michelle F And by the way, Annie Potts, welcome to come on the show anytime. We'd love to talk to you. Oh, yeah. We'll just spend a whole thing on Designing Women. But no joke. How did we go from Michelle Pfeiffer to Annie Potts? Available, I guess. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the entire plot to the movie is Mark Hamill's character and Annie Potts' characters. Uh, Mark Hamill traces the car to Vegas, teams up with Annie Potts, who is a wannabe prostitute, um, a teenage wannabe prostitute, and um, <laughs> not a full-time wannabe. This was, by the way, this was only rated PG in yeah. in nineteen seventy-eight. Wow. Uh, and they decide to, they're going to track down the car. And and uh, Dick Miller has a role in it as one of the people that may have stolen the car. And and that's the, so, I, again, it's just one of those things that if you're playing Six Degrees of Separation, you can now connect them to anybody through Dick Miller. He is the Kevin Bacon of his time. Yeah. And on that note, <coughs> we are going to take a quick break and be right back. Okay. Let's get back to Dick Miller. Yeah, let's get back to Dick Miller. We'll do all Who was not stuff. in nothing but trouble. Who was not in nothing but trouble. Well, we wouldn't have been shocked if he was. So, yeah. like I said, we're just going to hit the highlights, just so you know that many times. So, he was Mr. Futterman in Gremlins, which yep. is probably where a lot of people remember him from. Right. Mr. Futterman is the person next door. I rewatched Gremlins at Christmas because everyone should, because it's a great Christmas movie. It's almost as good as Die Hard as a Christmas movie goes. And... I forgot just how racist Mr. Futterman is in that movie. <laughs> how racist is he? He does not care for people who are un-American. Oh. Have you all watched Gremlins lately? Mm -mm. Yeah, really? So when he's talking about his plow outside, that's a Kentucky harvester that was made in America. <laughs> he gives us some comments about things that aren't made. Maybe they're made in Japan. <laughs> Go back and rewatch Gremlins. I'm gonna go back and rewatch Gremlins. <laughs> it's it's pretty overt. <laughs> and for somehow, some reason, I was watching it, and I know the Futtermans come back, Mr. and Mrs. Futterman in the sequel. Yeah. But if you're watching it, it looks like they're not gonna come back. No. Uh-uh. Right? Yeah, it looks like they're pretty much done. <laughs> pretty much done. When that tractor comes really, in yeah. and takes them out yep <laughs> you wonder yeah, how that happened remarkably gremlins too they're fine they're fine they come right back in there <laughs> hey I mean, by the way that's one thing dick miller we should talk about you know he did have a diverse uh, yeah and it but but there towards <coughs> towards the late 70s early 80s is when he kind of became the grumpy old man in every single thing he was in <laughs> with so much a, a lot of sarcasm <clears throat> right whether he was playing the trash guy for one, and a lot of these are one, two, three scenes. Yeah, yeah. And there's not much. No, right? he's yeah. He's a character actor, great character actor, but very, very small roles. So the other one, a famous role that he has that we have on the table there too, is he's the person who sells all the guns to the Terminator, and by sells the Terminator, played by, that's right, um, that lady from Blood Rain. That lady <laughs> from Blood Rain comes in. <laughs> 
What is her name? I don't know. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machine. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Oh, I don't remember. She her did either. that in Blood Rain and then disappeared. Oh my god, what is her name? I don't know, she was in the L word as well. But this I'll is the Dick check Miller out the, episode. I'll have to check those episodes out. <laughs> um, I enjoyed a few scenes from Blood Rain. So, he's the one who sells the, and by sales, he gets shot by the Terminator when they yeah. walks in. Right. right. There's a ton of those. Like, he's the one that sells the books to the couple who are looking for vampire lore books in the Howling. Howling. Right? Right. Which is, by the way, and I want to interject, because the Howling has a huge fan base and all that stuff. That was actually his favorite movie that he did. Why? Uh, let me see if I can find the exact read. Yeah, his favorite movie is own is a horror cult classic, The Howling. I think, to be honest, the, the way it sets it up, he just had a lot of fun on that set. So, I don't know who all, uh, why that would be. Hmm. But he enjoys of his own works. I don't know why it's not a patchy woman. But <laughs> You know, my favorite role is really not a Joe Dante one. And we talked about this during the break really quick. And you guys feel free to interject. Is him as Uncle Willie <clears throat> in Demon Knight. Yes. In fact, that movie's got two or three great character actors in it. It's got three right off the top of my head. William Sadler yeah. as the Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. We also have Roger Rabbit, Charles Fleischer, who is also a character actor. Yes. Who's in many, many different things that you wouldn't know him from, right? Right. And it has Dick Miller. Oh, and it also has CCH Pounder. Yeah. Now, that, that movie has like four or five. And, and let's not forget about Zane. Who? Oh, wait. Not Bill. Who? Bill Zane? Billy Zane? Yeah. He's in that? No, who's the, who's the villain? Billy Zane. Oh, you jerk. You made me question everything I knew. I'm good. I am fat Satan. I was like, oh my God, am I getting this wrong? No, well, you know, and, and speaking of the Terminator, um, he's in quite a few, I mean, to be a character actor and, and not to ever do a show solely dedicated to it, he's in a lot of stuff that involves time travel. Like what? Uh, Terminator? Never heard of it. Um... Some of his, there's uh, a couple of the movies he was in with Corman had some time travel elements to it. But also, he's in one of, uh, uh, an episode I really like of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. No. Um, which I believe, is it called Past Tense? I forget what it's called. Anyway. That means it already happened. Um, where they travel back in time because there's a, something blah, blah, blah. And, and they meet Dick Miller, who I believe plays a character called Vic or Vin or something. Anyway, doesn't matter. And the future's gone awry and everything's screwed up and everything's dark now. Really? And uh, and and it, they have to work with Dick Miller to fix the future. So, I mean, it's, it's just really interesting because he has done so much. Uh, 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 and, and a lot of it's with, you know, like we talked about Joe Dante. But he's done these other roles where, um, I mean, matter of fact, there's a documentary called That Guy. Uh, or something along those lines about how you know there's those actors that you Character see actors. yeah there's and all of them worked at Star Trek yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, but he has one of the more memorable it was a two part episode kind of a, a, a good setup so I mean this idea of of what could be and things like that time travel and stuff like that so uh, that's one of my favorite things he did and I, of course that's partially because I'm a Star Trek fan but it's also because Dick Miller in that role of Crabby old guy still having to realize there's going to be a future after he's gone. Who plays a better crabby old guy? Him or Brian Doyle Murray? Or Ed Asner? No. No? No, I'm sticking between Brian. Because the story goes that if you call Brian Doyle Murray up, he goes, all right, I can do this one character oh, with true. the voice. 
Yeah, yeah. That's that's what you get. Yeah, yeah. Then they ask him to audition. He's like, I'm not auditioning. You, I've done it already. This. This is what you get. This is what you get. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I do, too. Now, he's 90 years old. Not Brian Doyle Murray, no. but Dick Miller. Let's talk. Let's ask him some questions. So, the man worked with Corman. He's obviously can demand. He's worked, he's worked with Scorsese, too. He's worked with Scorsese. He's always in New York, New York. What else is he? After Hours. After Hours. So... He's worked with all these folks. He can obviously go to any convention and demand whatever money he wants. Well, I was about to say, and, to sign and, things. And, and I don't know that he does a lot of cons anymore. No, but he, he does like conventions. As a matter of fact, because he's got a, a quote about that. Uh, they asked him about attending conventions, and he said, "It's kind of thrilling in my old age to have something. It's a thrill. Everybody asks these questions. They bring up pictures that you've done and that you've forgotten. I don't remember half the pictures that they mention anyway, but it's a fun thing being at these conventions." Yeah, because again, the man has done 181 pieces. It's right. going to be hard and, and, to remember. And they actually ask him a follow-up question to that, which I think is relevant too. It's they ask him why people remembered his movies, especially the older ones like Bucket of Blood and stuff like that, that realistically could have easily fallen away. With a lot of the Corman pictures, why do we still remember him 60 years later? And, and this is what he said to that. I wish I knew. It's funny looking at a picture that's 50 years old and saying that it hasn't lost any of its, what's that word? Magic. They had magic. They were incredibly cheap. They were very inexpensive to make, but they've held up for over 50 years. Yeah, you know? it is incredible. So my, that leads to my, we still remember him. Obviously, if you're a film geek like us, or if you know a little bit about movies, I probably would say that if you know just a little bit about movies, I could show you and you go, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. Right? And that's the name of that documentary. Yeah. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So why did he never become bigger? One thing that he says, his theory about it was, he's he's five foot five. And I didn't know he was that short until we did, started to do this episode. I did, did you know he was that short? At his height, he was five foot five, and he said that he knew in his heart of hearts that knocked him out. Of, but Tom Cruise is about that height too. So, but Tom Cruise is it's something Tom, else. Yeah, Tom Cruise is something else. He, Tom Cruise has something that's. Tom Cruise, Mel Gibson, they're all around that height. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger's only about 5'10". Yeah. Uh, but, but he said it knocked him out of being a villain because he couldn't be imposing. Right. And it knocked him out of being the leading man. He could be the sidekick, but he would never be the leading man. Right. Um, and so he said he knew that was going to be the case, but he did have a physical presence, and he credited that to actually <coughs> when he was in the military, he mm -hmm. did have a prize title fight uh, as a middleweight boxer. Yeah. So he was, I mean, he was a, a presence in his youth, but he just wasn't big enough physically, tall enough. So that's that's what he, that's his logic for why he never blew up as far as being leading man. Well, but he always had a presence that let him work. Well, yeah, and you have these actors who are very talented. They're very, very talented. They're actually, a lot of, in a lot of times, way more talented than the leading leading role, but the leading role has certain restrictions. Like, you're just basically supposed to be point A to point B. Yeah. And you have all these other people surrounding you that uh, get you to that point. And that's what Dick Miller is. That's like Oliver Platt, John Lithgow, Brad Dourif. They're all, they are great character actors who are used to enhance the lead actor. You think John Lithgow's a character actor? I do. He John, has been a leading man. He before. has been a leading man, but his more his more notable roles are have been where he's been a supporting role. Are you saying Raising Kane is not the most memorable thing <laughs> ever to try to pull a leading role out of my yeah. Are we in Tainted oh. Fingers? Yeah. Ricochet? <laughs> what? <laughs> he took the 
wind right out of, I was trying to say wind, Denzel. out of Denzel's no, cell. He really did in that yeah. movie. That movie's a terrible movie. But John Lithgow is the best part part. about that movie. And and that's what's with Dick Miller. Like like Gremlins. What's uh, the lead? uh, Zach Galligan. No, but anyway, the lead actor. Zach Galligan. That's what I said. Zach Galligan, I thought. Anyway, that lead actor, he's really just there. Well, yeah, but it's, it's such it's, a pretty face. Yeah, and it, and and Phoebe Cates is is there, and she has some emotion. But it's people like Dick Miller, and God help me, Corey Feldman, <laughs> who who oh, who Corey. drive that movie. It's not the lead actors. Well, what's great is is they're in maybe three scenes. They come in and they either a deliver the information that drives the movie, or b do whatever it whatever that. That Sometimes thing it is. can be comic relief. Right. Sometimes, though, it can be driving that, providing that piece of information. Right. It's it's going back to our Dom DeLuise episode. His line that if you just do have a small role, you come in, you deliver your part, you get a laugh, yeah. you get a response. That's success. And let's face it, the best parts about Gremlins too, the best two fight scenes are him with the bat, him with the bat, and John Glover. <laughs> But John Glover is another wonderful, wonderful, yeah, another wonderful. wonderful. We could do a whole yeah, episode yeah. about John Glover too. But back to what I was saying. So they come in, they deliver that part, part, and when you do that, or if you're the villain, the best way to sum up, specifically when it comes to just genre and cliches and what you expect, the villain is the best part. The villain wins every single battle yeah. except for which one? The last one. The last, the last one. one. Yeah, yeah. The last one. The hero. It's not that interesting, right? That's hence why Batman is so is as good as it is. The Batman movies are as entertaining as it is. It's not Batman; it's Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger as a Joker. It's Don, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. No, and it's it. it, it I, I do. The it's same, not Tommy Lee Jones' Two Face. I do the I'm same argument uh, with James Bond movies because the James Bond and I love James Bond movies, but the the James Bond movie villain that let me down the most, and I'm forgetting, is it. Which one? The guy that can't feel pain, but has all the emotional turmoil, and he like he's. So, and I was Is that like, from Die Another Day? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't remember the actor played that. He uh, has one of like I'm like. It's not Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen. No, no, that is Casino great. Royale. Casino Royale. That is great. But now the the other guy, the guy that can't feel pain, I'm like, oh, because you can't hurt him. But then he has all the emotional turmoil, and Bond just makes him feel bad. He starts to cry, and I'm like, no, no, no. You need a villain that can go. Although toe-toe. Die Another Day has the worst Bond song, but that's that's actually my probably yeah. my most entertaining. That or, the, or and again, uh, we're talking about Dick Miller, and we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, but no, back but, to Dick but, Miller. But, I mean, Dick Miller, like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, I, by the way, I'd, I'd pay to see a Bond movie today where old Dick Miller <laughs> is manipulating <laughs> that would, Bond. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Scenes. I would. If you're listening and you need Bond, what are we on? Thirty-seven. I don't know. Corey, blah, 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 blah. Fuka, mooga, wooga, wooga. And again, I can never say his last and again that points out, like I said, Dick Miller, he'll be in a movie for, what, five minutes? But you remember that but scene. But you remember that scene. That five minutes of him being on the screen Agreed. is memorable. It's what you it's what you go home and talk about. Yeah. It's not the, the scene, with the big battle scene. It's, you know, right. the lead actor getting chewed out by a, a, a sarcastic, grumpy old man. Who, who, who else do you think? Dick Miller... Who was another one that people don't know? They know, but they don't know. Like they don't know their names. I'm trying to think. You you named John Lithgow, but I feel like a lot of people know who John Lithgow. A lot is. of people know who John Lithgow. And by the way, they're bo- back to six degrees of separation. Both in Twilight Zone the movie. Um, yeah. And they're both in the two best parts of Twilight Zone the movie. 
I mean, you. I would argue Jeffrey Combs probably falls into that. Jeffrey Combs falls into that. Brad um, Dourif falls into that. Oh yeah, yeah. Brad Dourif. I, and they funny, all did Star Trek once again. Yeah. Well, and a lot of them came from horror. They all came. Not all, but a lot, a lot of them, of came, them from came from horror. Um, I mean, you know, Brian Doyle Murray kind of fits into that category because people know Bill Murray, but a lot of times they're like a lot of people don't even realize that. Yeah, and and they have and they have certain movies. They were lucky enough to be in certain films that are extremely popular. Like right. Brian Doyle Murray has Caddyshack and Christmas Vacation. Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare is another one. I don't oh, yeah. know that people know his name, but when he shows up, they're like, "Oh, that guy, that guy, yeah, yeah, the Russian guy." Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the devil. Rit- yeah. yeah, Dick Miller was lucky enough to be in Gremlins. He's in Terminator. We could go on as far as big films that he was in. Oliver Platt would almost be a character actor, I think. No, he I is a character Oliver actor. Oliver Platt is a character actor. Um, you know, and, 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 and again, we're going to get back on Dick Miller, but it, the, a, a prime example of a character actor becoming big, um, and if, 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 it, if it hadn't been... Walter, Walter Goggins. If it, hadn't, if it hadn't been for Lord of the Rings, Viggo Mortensen would fall into this category as well. I agree with that. I, yeah. and, and, and Viggo wasn't even the... Steven Stephen Root, yeah, I'll give Stephen Root. Yeah, Stephen Root is a great character actor yeah. as well, and makes everything better. Right. Yeah. So that's and that's that's Dick Miller. Emmett Walsh, uh, who is now dead. Yes, Keith yeah. David. Thanks. Oh my God! <laughs> we could just we should have just did it all yeah, about character, character actors. actors. We'll do another one about character actors. Yeah, but, yeah I think we need to come in with our top five character actors. But yeah, that sounds good. And, and then you know when you when you add Dick Miller to this this list of people we're naming. Is he almost the granddaddy of character actors? I would say he would be. He's one of them because you got to remember this guy from nothing in the Bronx. His his parents were, were Russian, 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 Russian immigrants. Yeah. He went to he went to war for his country. I think he was. I know he served in the military. Was he in the Korean War? I think it was the Navy. Yes, he's in the Navy. Came back, went to school in the GI Bill. Was, wanted to write the story. I think, as I recall, was back and forth. Of was it either like it was drama school or what was the other one? It's not seamstress, but it's working with um, materials. And he didn't want to get up. And the drama one started later. And of course, if I've had a quarter for every time I've heard, I went to drama classes because that was where to meet women. Yeah. yeah. You, how many times have you heard that in a documentary? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then just ended up wanting to write and then ended up as an actor. But I know it sounds like I'm being disrespectful when I say, why didn't he get bigger? But it's not. I mean, if you can do 180, 190, if you can work for almost 60 years, 50 yeah. really, right, in Hollywood fairly consistently and make a living right. and support yourself, that's pretty damn impressive. Right. That says yeah. several things. Not only does that mean you're a good actor... But there's a lot of good actors who never worked that well. And that also means that people probably like you. Right. Yeah. Which means you're probably not a huge asshole. And you've got a strong work ethic. And you've got a strong work ethic. That means you know your lines, you hit your li- you know your lines, you hit your mark, and you show up. Yeah. So it says a lot about him, correct? Right. But there's a lot of really good actors who went off a hill. And we've heard this several times before. If you ever watched a movie and you thought, oh, he's okay, but I wonder why. Well, that means he probably shows up or she shows up, knows her lines, Hits or marks is not a problem. It's easy to get along with. Right. Yeah. Right? And delivers them in a way that is necessary to f- to fulfill what is needed for that film. Absolutely. And knowing that it's not all about you, that you are supporting, that you are here as a group. Right. So it says a lot about the man whom I've never met. Right. We know yeah. people who know him. Yeah. yeah. But we've never met. Well, I've never met him. Maybe I would you like, two yeah. have. No. We should really get him to scare fest, but... Yeah. Him and John Aston. Oh, God. If I've asked <laughs> once... 
We've asked five million times for John Aston, and it still never happened. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I do want to say about um, Dick Miller, though, is he's still working. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's, he's going to be in Hanukkah. Well, he's going to be in Hanukkah, but he also is doing these documentaries, one of which came out technically last year. I think it's on a film circuit right now. I do want it when it comes out on, on DVD. Or if it shows locally, I will go watch it. Clapboard Jungle? No, I haven't no. heard of it. It's a, it's a documentary they made about how to survive the independent film business. He is third build. Top build? This upstart Del Toro guy. Um, <laughs> second build is Michael Bean, Dick Miller, Paul Schrader, Sid Haig, um, Tom Savini, Yuva Bowl. And they all go through it and be like... I wish we could Yuva Bowl. Even if he ripped us, I would love Yuva yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be a Lloyd Kaufman. But it, literally, they interviewed... Lloyd Kaufman, by the way, if just to stop you. Yeah. If you get a chance, meet Lloyd Kaufman. He's a very nice man. Yeah. Uh, Frank Hennenlotter is featured in it. Uh, so just tons of these people that made Frank these... Frank what? Uh, made these tons of films. I mean, literally, they interviewed over... God, it's over 120 people about how do you make it in independent cinema today? And how do you do it then? And what does that look like? Uh, and then the other documentary that he's actually working on, which is going to come out this year, 2019, is uh, one on um, the history and working with people, uh, working with Karloff, Boris Karloff. Oh, that would be good. Karloff, I mean, the man behind the monster, is what it's going to be called. Um, so, I mean, and that's the thing about I you. almost said, like a dumbass, when did he work with Kor Karloff? And then I was like, AIP, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I've made, what? like, two huge... Like my brain just He was dissolved. in the terror. I know, but I'm stupid. <laughs> and, and that's what. But you have to think Tell about me it. The plot and of the that's terror. why. Tell me the plot. The, it's about a somebody who's a terror. No, um, it's. I think the terror is the one that they shot and made up with other old footage and then finished it. Yeah, he thinks. They, I have check a, it out if I'm wrong. I have a Boris Karloff collection that has it and the Tower of London both versions. Oh really? The two versions of Tower of London. Oh my one. God! That must mean that you just rack them up on Friday night at the bar. If I pay for them. <laughs> Are we talking about beers? I have I don't You don't really yeah. drink beers. No. A soda. In now fact, I can it's funny for sodas. him to say, I drink beers. Beers? <laughs> you can't... How are you, fellow children? Children, do you also drink beers, beers? and like the sports teams? I imbibe in the hops and barley. Let me tell you about Romero, this. by the way, Romero did an interview for the, the Romero before he passed away. So, I mean, this was something they've been working on for a while. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I, and I think that's what's fascinating. And I think that's one of the reasons, speaking of John Aston, speaking of Dick Miller, why we do need to do episodes like this. And why, even if you're like, I don't care about this, you need to be aware of these people because they are the last links to that time period. years old. And by the Corman, way... Corman, he's only a few years younger than Corman. Corman is in his 90s as well. And by the way, if you if you look up Dick Miller's birthday... There's photos of him with Corman, uh, Joe Dante. Joe They're Dante. all just sitting around the table. And, I mean, these are people that if you watch... Uh, Joe mentioned Gremlins, Terminator. If you watch this stuff, you've, you've seen Dick Miller. That's a century. It's almost a century yeah. of... Now, I don't want to say information, but what, what, what would you say of just... A, there's, of there's living. A, there's an African experience. proverb that I really do like. Y'all can make fun of me later. But I really do like, and it's the, the line that every time an old man dies, a library burns. It's a library of information. This man worked with Karloff. He worked with Schwarzenegger. He worked with... I mean, no matter where you are in your film geek spectrum, <clears throat> if you've watched movies from the 80s, 90s, 80s, to 50s, 
and you've seen some pretty major movies, you've seen Dick Miller. Right. So Dick Miller was in a, a movie that he did that he ended up getting cut out of a huge film. Do you all know about this? I read a bunch. So which one was it? I want to talk about some things that were actually shot. This one particular, it was shot. So if you guys ever seen, there was a guy named Tarantino. Mm-hmm. He oh, made a yeah. movie called. Yeah, I read this. Glorious Bastards, but Pulp yes, Fiction. He's Pulp, Pulp Fiction. So when they did, when they try to get rid of the body, they do it at Monster Joe's, right? Yeah. He was Monster Joe, but oh, really? his scene got cut because of time. of time. I didn't know that. So yes, if you so like you're Pulp that Fiction, close this yeah. to yeah. being in probably in one of the most. Actually, I think it's probably the most important film in the last twenty some years, thirty years. It's to me, one of the most, you gotta go most influential one. One of the yeah. most influential and iconic, yes, yeah. is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's just my opinion. But you're just this close. God, that sucks, right? Yeah. Once again, though, he worked for fifty years, right? Sixty years. Yeah. And I'm still he. I'm I, not that he probably needed at that point, but I'm sure he still got paid for his time. Why that? And I bet, but can you hear him being pissed? Oh yeah, because you're a character actor. Because I've heard him say, I can't remember which Dante picture. He's like, yeah, he got me one day. You can only get me one day. <laughs> <laughs> one day. But I mean, if we and we've talked about this before. Think about all the people that were this close to getting in Tarantino movies. Um, I, I almost said Kate Hodder, but not. Um, Big people. Will Freddy. Smith, Adam Sandler, Robert, Robert England. England. Yeah, Robert England was going to be in the beginning of, of Kill, Kill Bill. Bill. My name's Buck. Yep. And, and you, you got to think about I mean, there's so much random chance. And even though we've only made short films, thank goodness for our budget that we don't have to pay for film anymore. Right. That it's digital. Yeah. Because you run that stuff. And, and I mean... We made uh, what Murder Virgin ended up being thirty-two minutes or something. Uh, something like that. Yeah, it's about twenty-five minutes too long. Uh, <laughs> I think it's all brilliant. Every word that I wrote was perfect. Anyway, um, he wrote six minutes. <laughs> Y'all got lucky with your one minute. That no, um, the, uh, <laughs> it's thirty-two minutes. It's twenty-five minutes too long. Uh, but thirty-two minutes. But we shot at least what four hours of footage. Oh, even more than that. Chad, hours, yeah, hours and hours, and then retakes and different things. So you have to think about all that stuff happens. Poor, poor Chad with me over his shoulder going, "I don't know, just make it flow." (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful direction. Thank you so much. We'll fix it in post. Fix Um, it in post. uh, But no, and so I think about that because I'm sure there's other stories we don't know about where Dick Miller was in something, and. Or would have been it more? Because he's also in, uh, and I know Joe Dante movie again, but the uh, the great Vincent Price Joe Piscopo movie, Dead Heat. Heat, Dead Heat. Oh, that's right. Yep, he's in Dead Heat. Oh my God! And did he stop working during the eighties? No, he never stopped. No, I mean, did he take a day off? Oh, that probably not. When you're a working actor, well, yeah, but I mean, you can just go through because you're TV. not getting the big bucks like the the main actors. I did. know, I, I, no shit. But and, uh, and then we'll be right back to discuss that. Are we are we out of time almost again? Okay. All right. We'll be right back after this short pause. Eat at Jack's Spleen Shop. Yum. So we're back, and Chad is sitting down, and we would be remiss if we did not bring up one of our favorite Joe Dante films that we don't think gets a lot of credit. Yeah, it's one of those that falls under the hidden gem category. Hidden gems. I think it's better now. I know it got a really nice European release on Blu-ray, but here in America, not so much. It's called Matinee. Right. I actually saw that in the theater when it came out. 
I, yeah, I, I was did. the one. I wanted to, but I wasn't like I was the house. one. Yeah, well, mom and dad were probably still going back and forth and divorce, and it was, <laughs> sure. Yeah, get <laughs> him out of the house. Off. Get him out of the house. Like I said, we're not... Sh- we're not saying we cause a divorce. We just can't rule you out, yeah. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's a matinee. He plays the B-movie actor who's actually up on the screen. He's yeah. helping off. Uh, cl- who's clearly helping um, John Goodman's character. Yeah, it's his, it's his, it's his, uh, this is Dick Miller's uh, second time actually uh, with uh, the well-known actor Omri Katz. <laughs> Really? Yeah, he was in. He, uh, Dick Miller was also in an episode of Erie, Indiana. Erie, Indiana. Joe Dante direct Erie, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Yep. So that's why he was in there with Aubrey Katz. Do you think Joe Dante ever looks at him at a dinner party and says, "Man"? Yeah. <laughs> and if you're listening to it, it's me going <laughs> with money, with the little fingers going back and forth, going just a little taste, <laughs> just a little taste. Or do you think Joe Dante sitting there going, "Gotta have some. I'm glad I have somebody that will show up." Yeah. <laughs> You, the three of us, would be God. We have some. We're glad we have somebody to show up. And what do you mean you still talk to me? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because every film we've ever made, going, we're looking for actors who will volunteer. Because we have John Stith. We have no budget. Everybody cast. Joe Ellswick will no longer talk to us. Uh, everybody cast John Stith. He shows up. He does. He <laughs> shows up. Knows his lines. Kind of. I'm joking. He shows up. Knows his lines. So matinee though. Is really quick. Is a movie. Basically, they're talking about they're talking William about the Castle. Cuban and they're talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. They're but not, it's it, but John Goodman plays a lesser known William Castle archetype. Yeah, it's William Castle. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't know anything about William Castle, William Castle was stop what you're doing and go look it up. Well, but the original House on the Hill, not the William Malone remake, which I also love. Which the, check out that episode of William Malone. That's a two parter. He was on Bonehead. Yeah, William Malone. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, William Malone. Bill but, Malone's a sweet, sweet man. Um, what he did, his first movie, uh, he he wanted he he wanted to get people butts in seats. So what William Castle did was he did weird stuff like going, oh, this movie will scare you to death, and we're so sure that it will, we don't want to leave your family bereaved. So when you check in... That means sad. When you check in, when you buy your movie ticket, you got an insurance policy that was good for 90 minutes, the length of the movie, Right. that if you died while watching the film... They would pay your family. He yeah. also would. He also did the movie The Tingler with Vincent Price, Which where they where put he, stuff in the they, seats. They would put vibrators underneath the seat, and they would say, uh, "The Tingler's coming." And and if you watch the original House on a Hill, the reason I brought that one up, that was one of his better known one because it was called Emerjo. Mm-hmm. And Emerjo basically was they would add a curtain to the theater because theaters used to open the curtain before the movie started. Right. Yes. And there'd be in, a, uh, in the curtain up above, they just put a little attachment and a skeleton was hidden behind it. And speaking of character actors, who's the character actor that is uh, in oh, uh, on Hill? He's also the one in 13 Ghosts? Yes, what's his name? Well, little guy. Little guy, but anyway. Oh, um, he's in the Joe Trek. Dante was here, he could tell us. Yeah, but anyway, when he looks at the movie, if you watch the original one with Vincent Price, which I love, he looks at the audience and he says, the ghosts are moving again. Soon they'll come for me, and then they'll come for you. Yeah. And the movie, you hear the scream. If you saw that in the theater, it would go to black, and then this glow-in-the-dark skeleton that had been hiding in the curtain since the beginning would actually fall and hit the front row. Mm-hmm. 
and people screamed and all that stuff. That's what William Castle did. God, wouldn't you love to go do that right now? Yeah. William Castle Why does the Kentucky um, do that? By the way, go to the Kentucky, they open up the curtain too. 13 Ghosts was another one, and the trick with 13 Ghosts was one glass, he would hand them out, and he intentionally, he were in instruction theaters, to hand them out, that if it was a couple, one of them got, it was 3D, but it wasn't really 3D. There was red tinted glasses and blue tinted glasses. And he wanted it to alternate with groups. So if it was, let's say hypothetically, Chad and I went and saw the movie, they would make sure Chad got red tint, I got blue tint. Well, if you had red tint, the ghosts were blue tinted in the movie. So Chad would be able to see them, but because I had blue glasses, they'd blend in for me. So J Chad would see, quote unquote, the ghosts. I would see nothing. And so it was. you had people freaking out in the theater and other people going, I don't, what, what, what's going on? And that's why in the remake, they have the glasses. glasses. So William Castle, so that's why Matinee is such an interesting film, if you know about William and Castle. And it also encapsulates a time that people don't, I don't know that they understand anymore. Right. Yeah. With the Cuban Missile Crisis, living in Florida, being at that time so close to what would, what at a lot of times was considered annihilation of the world. Right. Yeah. Of, of, of if a, a nuclear war had started between the United States the and Russia. The last Babylon. Absolutely, whatever, and and the fact of you actually getting under your desk to stop an atomic bomb, and, and these things that seem ridiculous now were actually commonplace, and it's just a sweet little love letter for just a t for a, a snapshot, a, a brief snapshot, moment in time, a in brief our moment in time in our history, and it's 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 invaluable, I think. Yeah, so yeah, matinee is, that is. Yeah, yeah that's that what is. matinee does. That's what matinee does. So, and Dick Miller is in that, so really check that out. Check, I, that's a good one. I really keep going back to him. My favorite role he's in is, is Uncle Willie in Demon Knight. That's 27 <laughs> years. Um, he did, and, and closing this out as we get ready to, I mentioned earlier that he did write three things that made it to the screen. Um, he also did direct an episode of Miami Vice. Um, which, is that the only thing he directed? Was that one thing, episode? Yeah, of, one episode. But he also has soundtrack credit. Um, in the TV series Fame, where we're going to live forever. Or we're going to learn how to fly. Fame! He was a performer for two songs, Image and Scorn. So, uh, as you think about yeah, I know. I was like, now I want to find Dick Miller performing Scorn. Yes. Because I just want to hear it. Um, but, you know, as you think about this, again, definitely a working actor, a character actor, but obviously developed some skill sets because Miami Vice, you make all the jokes about the 80s you want, but that wasn't a, a you know, I just... Let somebody direct that. It was a huge show. Right? Huge show. Huge show. So, uh, and you know, so the when fact TV that, was important. Yeah, and and you know, it, it's it it was a big deal that they let Dick Miller direct. But again, it probably goes back to the fact that Dick Miller probably had work ethic. It was I'll show up, I'll direct, I'll hit our marks, mm -hmm. I'll do all that stuff. The episode that he directed was called The Fix. Um. So there you go. I mean, it was. Uh, he was doing it, and uh, the uh, oh, sorry, my brain froze. Um, he was doing it during the second season, so it was already a hit, but it wasn't winding down either. I mean, right. he was doing it yeah. at its at its apex that he was directing. So Dick Miller again, character actor, but also got tied into so many different things through the years. If you get nothing else from this episode, please go out and check out his body of work. Look him up. He's an, he's a fascinating man who lived a fascinating life, who's still living a fascinating life. And check out 90 years of experience. Check out the last 60 years of entertainment that he has given you. And, and watch some of his films. Not just the Joe Dante ones, but some other ones. Like, if you don't, 
Watch a bucket of blood. I'm fairly certain a bucket of blood would be pretty easy to find on certain services that wouldn't cost you anything. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. I probably only paid a couple of dollars for my DVD copy. <clears throat> Not something you probably need in Blu-ray high def. Because it was never shot for that. Right. So. No, but if you find a Blu-ray collection that has it in it, get it. Get it. All right. So is that it? That's it. All right. But yes, I just echoing you. Check out Dick Miller. Check out his work. I, because it doesn't matter what genre you like. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. He's in a lot of stuff. But and that's what, mainly genre, but yes. But, I mean, but I, I mean, you love Westerns, you'll find him. You love drama, probably less so, but he's there. There's some right. stuff there, so... Thank you so much. Share us on your YouTubes, iTunes, and SoundCloud on your social media. Please subscribe. Let us know about your friends. We're going to be also going to another couple of audio streaming services now that the show is changing slightly. A couple of ways as we go. We'll be updating you about that. We'll also be doing some more Facebook Lives, correct? Yep. Yes. And we have a nice two-parter coming out with a local author that we've already shot and we're really excited about. A local author that's published nationally. Uh, I mean, this is not, you know... Uh, it's not a boutique press. No. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for your time. This is Bonehead. See you next week. <laughs>